Hello, Blue Jays fans. This is at Blue Jays Dad, and welcome to the Try Easier podcast. Today, we're going to look at a series preview. The Blue Jays have a two-game set with the Miami Marlins um, in Buffalo as the Blue Jays have moved their home park once again. And I have a special guest with me. I have Craig Mish, who is the host of a Miami Marlins podcast called Swings and Mishes. He's also the senior baseball contributor at Herald Sports and the MLB Network contributor. Thank you for joining me, Craig Mish. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, the first question I have for you is right now the Blue Jays are just coming off for what many fans, uh, for many fans, a maddening loss yesterday, the second half of a doubleheader against Cleveland. And uh, a lot of people calling for Charlie's uh, head at this. Um, what have you heard about our Blue Jays so far in 2021? And what's your take from a distance on, is it time for a managerial change for the Blue Jays? Well, I mean, I am monitoring all of this. And uh, certainly I have access to the uh, post-game and pre-game Zoom meetings. And uh, on one of the shows that I do, uh, a show called Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. I watch a lot of them to kind of see what things are percolating. And look, I understand the frustration. I think the bottom line um, with the Jays in general is that I thought the Merriweather injury at the beginning of the season was one that really wasn't getting talked about enough because how dynamic this kid looked. And I think that he really is someone that's going to be special inevitably. But, um, the team is built on offense and not built on pitching or really even on bullpen. And I think that the Blue Jays are going to have to slog their way through this thing throughout the season in terms of uh, firing Charlie or anything like that. I don't fire people. So that would be a better question probably for your followers and yourself. But I think at the end of the season, if the Blue Jays were to finish, let's say, uh, below 500, I think that there would have to seriously be some questions probably regarding that. But too early for me, honestly, if on Memorial Day, the team is above 500. I know that a lot of people think they should be better, and their run differential says that. But uh, a little too early for me on that. What Blue Jays players are you excited to see, or maybe the opposite of excited to see, play against your Miami Marlins uh, this week? Well, we saw them last year. Um you know, in two different series in that shortened season. I saw them in person in Miami and then, of course, saw the series last year in Buffalo as well. So in terms of the Blue Jays, I'm, I'm you know, obviously aware of, of the season that Vladdy Jr. is having, no doubt. But to me, Bo Bichette combined with Vladdy Jr. is such a dynamic part of what could end up being one of the best offenses in the American League. I think, to me, that's probably the one guy that I would do. Um, the Oscar Hernandez, who played for the Astros previously, was a player many, many years ago who in my fantasy circles, fantasy baseball circles, was someone that I was very high on. I had a chance to see him play on a lot of those backfields in West Palm Beach and thought, wow, this guy's going to end up being a star. And I know that there's been some bumps along the road for him, but I, I think he's going to be one of the most feared power hitters, of course, in the American League. And I doubt we're going to see George Springer. But that's uh, the story, I guess, for the season. 
Yeah, there, there's no timetable for a return for George Springer. I've noticed on your Twitter, you've been commenting on the rash of injuries, how teams are dealing with that. Um, why do you think there are so many injuries uh, this season? And um, how has it decimated the Marlins? Yeah, the Marlins are probably in the upper tier of, of tough injuries this season. I wouldn't say they're uh, worse off than everyone. And I would be somewhere in the middle, uh, maybe on the higher end as far as um, and their depth has really been challenged. I and mean, they just don't have players to call up and replace some of the players that they've lost. And they've been without Brian Anderson, who is their third baseman, very good Ben defensive player, now for the second time on the injured list this season. Right now they're gonna be playing the Blue Jays without Miguel Rojas, who is their shortstop and team leader, and the player who has really, I think, caught a lot of the eye of, of baseball, Jazz Chisholm Jr., has already been on the 10-day injured list once, and he didn't play all last week uh, with the exception of one game. So, yeah, I mean, they're kind of going through it right now. They've been, they've been working their way through about three-and-a-half starting pitchers over the course of the regular season, and they've chosen to go the route of calling kids up as opposed to looking for some labor candidates around the league to replace them. And honestly, it just hasn't gone real well. So in this short two-game series, the Blue Jays are throwing Robbie Ray, who will either strike you out or will give up a home run. Um, and then Alec Manoa, who's coming off his major league debut, six scoreless innings pitched, uh, seven strikeouts. Uh, what can you tell me about uh, the Marlins pitching staff, starting and bullpen? What can Blue Jays fans expect? I, if I'm not mistaken, by the way, I think when the Blue Jays faced the Marlins in Miami last year, uh, Robbie Ray pitched for the first time in a Blue Jays uniform. I'm pretty sure of that, and he looked pretty good. Uh, I think they may have lost that game on a Starling Marte uh, home run, which was the biggest hit of their season, I think, the Marlins last year. Um, the second game, I think, with them. But, um, look, the, the pitching is now a little bit better than what it was because Miami's going to have two days off going into the series. So their bullpen will be very rested, and they're going to be able to push back their number one starter, Sandy Alcantara, who's going to end up pitching on Tuesday. So they're in good shape as far as that goes. Pablo Lopez will pitch against Manoa on Wednesday. But I expect this to be a competitive series. The only question is, can Miami's bats hang with the Jays? And if the season indication has proven anything, that answer will be no. But certainly they have the pitching to keep them in the game. So as an example, if both Alcantara and Lopez can hold the Jays under four runs or around four runs, I think that Miami could win a game or maybe win both. But you know, certainly if the Jays score five or six, uh, Miami's offense is just not equipped to score that many. Looking ahead to June 22nd and 23rd, another two-game set between these two clubs, this time in Miami. Can you just speak to how does Lone Depot Park play these days? You know, it's really interesting. No one knows for sure because there were complaints early on in the season that the ball was not carrying. Miami is one of those sort of test bubble locations to have a humidor in place. So that has been a factor. I don't know if that's still going on. It definitely was going on in April and into May. But in general, it's going to take a lot to hit a home run there. And especially it's going to take a lot to hit a home run to right field there. 
but that hasn't seemed to be an issue for the road teams like it has been for the Marlins. So uh, remains to be seen as far as what that will look like when the Blue Jays come in. You know, we're kind of far off from that in baseball terms. It feels like a year considering all of these injuries. But Jesus Aguilar, who I think a lot of probably baseball fans are familiar with, has been probably one of Miami's best offensive players this season. And exclusively, all of his numbers have come on the road. He has nine home runs. He has none at home. So if that tells you a little bit of a story of what Miami has played like, I think that probably sums it up. That's great. Craig, can we just go back into history a little bit and talk about the big 12-player trade that the Blue Jays and Marlins made in November of 2012? How is that trade uh, remembered uh, from a Marlins perspective? Well, it caught everyone by surprise because the Marlins had just moved into a new stadium and had bolstered the payroll by acquiring uh, Jose Reyes and signing him to a long-term extension. And then, you know, of course, Mark Burley was the other starter that they had. And then that first season couldn't have gone any worse. I would argue that season prior to them making that trade was the worst Marlins seasons in history because they came in with so many expectations and everyone thought that with this uh, you know, dynamic team in this new stadium, that this was going to be a perennial winner, but they never really gave it a chance. One year in, they dismantled it again. Um, you know, looking back on it, Miami, you know, certainly, you know, made the mistake of acquiring Justin Nicolini over Noah Syndergaard, who they had an opportunity to get in that deal, and they chose not to. But, you know, honestly, let's, let's be real here. While Syndergaard's name is great, he's a lot of fun to watch, he's had a ton of injury history as well, including this year. So, I don't, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I suppose it, it, the Mets fans will tell you in 2015, that was a shining year for him and Matt Harvey. But beyond that, uh, you know, unfortunately, Syndergaard's career hasn't really worked out. So I think it's, you know, when, when you look back on it, it helped the Jays initially. They got Josh Johnson in the deal, although he didn't work out all that well. But for Miami, it was just a dismantling. And in terms of the return that they got back there, uh, unless I'm missing something here, I believe it was, hmm, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was only uh, Danny Echeverria and Justin Nicolino. That turned out to be viable big league players, unless I'm missing something else. So I guess you could call it a on both sides. Blue Jays didn't end up getting that much better. And the Marlins certainly were unloading at that time. Yeah, for Blue Jays fans, I think Mark Burley's the big one that we got in return and that he helped lead the way back to the postseason for the Blue Jays in 2015. And and so he is uh, has a special place in, in Blue Jays fans' hearts, definitely, after that deal. Um where do you see the Marlins franchise going? What direction is it headed right now? Well, I think that they're probably, you know, internally, this is probably the final year where I think that most people would give them a pass where you're starting a rebuild and you had a pandemic interrupt the minor league season. And when you're building from the ground up, minor league ball and development is absolutely crucial. So I think it's a year ahead of where Miami is. And I, I really think that 2022 is going to be, you know, a year of reckoning, so to speak, for Miami. Great. Well, Craig, do you have a prediction for this two-game series? How many do the Marlins take? I think we may have lost Craig. Craig, are you there? All right. 
Well, we're having some technical difficulties, but I would like to would like to thank Craig Mish for joining me today. Um, what what a I just want to thank you, Craig, for joining me today, uh, taking time out of your holiday Monday to be on the Try Easier podcast with Blue Jays Dad. Everybody, uh, we're about to start this series, so hey, um, enjoy this week. Let's uh, wish. Um, health and a competitive series uh, to both clubs and uh, we'll catch you next time on the Blue Jays Dad podcast.